Well, if you've listened to the uh, station really at all today or even in the past week, yeah, you know that Xavier Robinson is announcing tonight. It's not at 5 p.m. like he initially announced. Today he says it's 6 p.m. tonight. Xavier Robinson announcing. You probably already know that. However, has anyone brought up his stats from last year at Carl Albert, his junior year? And shocker, surprise, a three-star athlete with an OU and a Notre Dame offer Played really well his junior season. I but don't want to hear none of those inflated stats. He's a, he's a three-star. 2,594 rushing yards, 39 touchdowns, 9.4 yards per carry, and 185 rushing yards per game. Again, yeah, of course, uh, a highly sought-after recruit is going to have impressive numbers, but 9.4 yards per carry? Dude, and in the highlight video, we tweeted out a uh, few uh, highlights uh, that, that he had last year on the Ref Twitter page. Um, I, I didn't put out the entire, like, two and a half minutes of it, but that stiff arm was quite deadly at the uh, 5A level a year ago. He's and a good yet, player, man. And yet we have people on the text line wondering, well, why on earth would OU take Xavier Robinson? Oh, gosh, really? 2,594 rushing yards. I don't care what level you're playing at. I don't care what state you're playing in. That's a hard thing to accomplish. 39 Tyler. touchdowns, man. What, what, what's the most impressive? The 2,594 rushing yards, the 39 touchdowns, the 9.4 yards per carry, or the 185 rushing yards per game? Take your pick, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know which one is the most impressive. Probably the 9.4 uh, yards per carry for uh, me. I, I think there are hmm, – I, I would honestly say the cumulative rushing yards total. 2500 plus because to me there are going to be a lot of running backs across the country that score a bunch of touchdowns and that have a really high yards per carry average because if you're a p5 caliber running back that's the type of number that you're gonna average on a per carry basis in general but to rush for near 2,600 yards, I'd love to know how many guys across the country did that last year. And probably not playing in uh, a lot of fourth quarters uh, with some lopsided yeah. scores that Carl Albert uh, put up a year ago. Now, that's that's impressive. Now, Xavier Robinson tweeted out a photo of him in Iowa State gear and a photo of him in OU gear. So, I that would lead us to believe... Two hats. That two hats are on the table, and though Notre Dame maybe at one small time was thought to be the leader for his services, um, they may not even have a hat or a potential edit on the table. Because is he doing this live, or is he just dropping an edit? Because I haven't seen a link or Instagram feed or anything like that. He's doing like it live. That. He is Carl doing it live? Albert. Okay. Yeah. Live announcement. All right. Well, OU hat, Iowa State hat on the table. We'll see if DeMarco can uh, land another one. If DeMarco can strengthen his claim even more for KRF Recruiter of the Month in the month of June here, this would be a nice get. Very nice get for DeMarco Murray. And as we know, he ain't done yet in this uh, 2020, uh, in this class. Uh, <laughs> there was the uh, fact or fiction yesterday on Rivals about OU landing uh, two more running backs, Caden Durham and Taylor Tatum, two of the best running backs in this class. So, you, th th there's a chance that you get Xavier Robinson tonight, Parker. You get Caden Durham. You get Taylor Tatum. And maybe you look back at this class in several years and say, geez, 
Like, OU had some really good running back tandems that they signed in one class. P. Ryan and Mixon, you think of immediately. Um, maybe this three running back class, and and I know that Robinson's going to be more of a of an H back role. But you think of the class that you signed here, and maybe it ends up being your one of your best ones that you've had in quite some time. I guess we'll see. Yeah, and I also think with Xavier Robinson, right, he doesn't have to be an H back. You take him with the understanding that you don't know exactly what role he plays at the next level, but as a bigger, beefier running back. You know that, at the very least, he could give you snaps at tight end. He could play a more traditional, you know, Dimitri Flowers backfield type of role, fullback, if you will. And it's been a while since OU had a true fullback, but he could be that. And he can, he, he can also be a running back. You know, he can also tote the ball for you 20 times a game if you want to work him into the rotation. He could run the Wildcat for you if you he have can a, run quarter, the wildcat if a quarterback's uh, outs for the uh, biggest game of the year. He could run the uh, Wildcat for you. Yeah, the modern-day iteration of the Belldozer <laughs> package, but you can just call it X to give soon. it to you. Too soon, too soon, I know. Yeah, versatile. I, I, I In text line, you can interact with this one as well, 405-651-3439. Like, one word for me to describe Xavier Robinson is is just that like he can play running back he can be kind of the h back role i would say versatile if uh if i was thinking of one word is, is what i would use what what say you and then we'll uh we'll gather responses from the text well, i don't want to use the exact same word that you used but so it was I'll really say, good yeah, it, was it was a really, really good, good yes the natural choice i'll say flexible how about Ooh, that versatile and flexible huh anyone else got any more ables that they can use to uh describe xavier robinson I don't know. We'll see. 405 says Ronaldo works. Are you talking about the uh, the best comp there for Xavier Robinson? Was uh, was Ronaldo works 220 pounds, though, coming out of high school like Xavier Robinson is? Like, the, the body types might be a little bit different here. But in ter- like, if you want to say like the role within the offense that they use... Um. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. I, I just think the body types might be a little bit different. The body types are different, but like, I just get, just throw Xavier Robinson a shovel pass like you did to Ronaldo Works and see how it works out. Well, then and you I, have the real I go back to the 2014 class, right, where Oklahoma signed Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. I'm sure there were a lot of folks at the time figuring that Samaj P. Ryan faced steep odds to ever be a cornerstone contributor at the University of Oklahoma. And at the time, it may at have the, been a fair take. Yeah, buddy. well, all he did was rush for darn near 2,000 yards as a true freshman and leave Oklahoma as the program's all-time leading rusher after just three seasons, mind you. So, is Xavier Robinson going to be the most ballyhooed running back signee of the 2024 class at Oklahoma? No, assuredly not. But I I also don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's just an H-back and nothing more at the collegiate level. If he gets to town, he gets to Norman, and... He's popping off at running back in practice. That's a guy that's going to see the field because I promise you, DeMarco Murray is the type of coach where, you know, he doesn't care about the background. He doesn't care about what you did in high school, doesn't care about the accolades. He's going to put the best guys on the field, and he's going to find ways to work in guys that are capable of playing Power 5 football. Oh, buddy, it's comp season on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It is comp season. Uh, uh, Xavier Robinson is more like a Lindale White that played for USC. Everyone remember Lindale White? I do. They were on those uh, historic USC teams. It was Lindale White that was in the game for USC 
in the Rose Bowl, I think on that fourth and two, last offensive play for USC. Reggie Bush was on the sideline. Lindell White was in the game. USC didn't pick up the first down in Texas one, but yeah, they had their Heisman Trophy winner over there on the sideline. Uh, Brian and Tulsa says uh, Trey Millard comp. Uh, 405. We're getting a lot of these. Ramondre Stevenson. Use him as the closer and let him pound the rock late with fresh legs. OU, and, and this was under a previous regime, I understand that, but OU had a lot of success with kind of that closer of a running back late in the game. And the guy I immediately think of um, is Trey Sermon, who had that role. I, I don't know. I, I think Xavier Robinson could be that guy. And obviously, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to do that in the SEC than it was at the Big 12 at the time. But if you want to say he could be that closer role type of running back, that kind of gets me excited because I've, I've seen that work out quite well previously. Ramondre Stevenson rushed for over 600 yards as Oklahoma's third string running back back in 2019. And so, now, is he like the best like, player for the Patriots now? Yeah, Ramondre exactly. Stevenson? So you, at the University of Oklahoma, you do not need to be RB1 in order to have a role and a significant one out of the backfield. So does Xavier Robinson need to supplant Taylor Tatum and or Caden Durham down the line to be able to make a name and make a niche for himself at Oklahoma? No, he doesn't. And I think that's where the versatility comes into play. Is he an exact replica of Ramondre Stevenson? No. Is he an exact replica of Dimitri Flowers or Mikey Henderson or Trey Millard? No, not necessarily an exact replica of any of those guys. But he's got a little bit of every one of those guys in the way that he plays the game. Yeah. It, there's not maybe a direct comp with the size and the speed. And, you know, I, I mean, there's some there's some good comps there. And maybe, like, his role looks similar to Trey. Like, we'll, we'll see what the role looks like exactly. But you're getting a player that's and in a crowded running back room, he is going to be one of the more unique skill sets that you have. That's why I think maybe not immediately, but at some point in his OU career, because OU is going to be good at running back, they'll carve out a role for him somehow. Ohio sure. Sooner says if they line up in a goal line fullback dive under center and hand it to X, I'd become oh the gosh. biggest Jeff Levy stand Let's in the go. world. Let's go. Let's go. Old school football. How about it? People might pass out. I, he, here's my th- like. I know he's an Oklahoma kid, and I know this staff wants to you know emphasize this state and get the best players in the state. But l- let's just go back to something that we've been very consistent about in this recruiting class, right? Demarco Murray has told some kids no throughout this cycle, right? Um, he's probably going to get Taylor Tatum, and he's probably going to get Caden Durham the way that it sits right now. I just don't think that. Like, they don't take Xavier Robinson with the unique skill set that he has if Jeff Lebby doesn't have some plans for that guy within the offense. R- right? I mean, fair? Very fair. I mean, he's, n- he's not similar to the other two backs, but you're not taking him unless you got a pretty good idea of how you want to use him in the future. Oh, man. That's how I look at these, it. These comps are getting out a little out oh, of I hand. love it. Let's go. Bijan Robinson, <laughs> Jerome Bettis, <laughs> Derrick Henry. Oh, my gosh. Let's, yes. let's tap the brakes a little bit here. I like X as much as the next guy, but he's not Derrick Henry. We went from, oh, he's a three-star, who cares, to Derrick Henry and the bus comps. Let's go, man. <laughs> I knew we were talking him up, but dang, here's a Steve Owens comp for the geriatric fans. Remember Steve Owens, fullback, says a texture in the 405? Hey, Steve Owens, 
Derek Henry, a couple of Heisman Trophy winners, and Jerome Bettis, the bus who starred for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It's in almost day. inadvertently turned into a Xavier Robinson <laughs> positivity hour. <sighs> wow, what's going to be his Heisman? Earl Campbell? Earl look, at, <laughs> look at all these, man. I love this so much. And then we got the uh, J.D. Reynolds uh, comp as well. Who? Maybe that's the best. Maybe that's a really good comp, and maybe uh, J.D.'s the best uh, player to co- ever come out of Carl Albert. I don't know. He would uh, probably have a claim to that amongst uh, some others as well. But, yeah, Xavier Robinson, 6 p.m. tonight, he is going to announce. Uh, OU is currently ranked, uh, what, 45 in the 24-7 sports rankings. They get Xavier Robinson, they'll be at 39 after uh, this one, according to the uh, class calculator. And, yeah, the vibes are uh, very high, very uh, very good right now with OU getting this one, eh? Good, good vibes. All positive vibes. No <laughs> shenanigans. Marcus Dupree, Adrian Peterson, Billy Vessels. Love you guys so much. Somebody said William Refrigerator <laughs> Perry. Mike Allstott. I love this. This, this is like a reliving my uh, childhood with some of these NFL comps. 405-651-3439. Keep the fun coming on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Hey, speaking of comps, by the way, there is another potential ad in this 2024 class that got a comp according to rivals. It's not William Refrigerator Perry. It's not Jerome Bettis or Steve Owens or, you know, anyone that's played at a super high level in the NFL, but it's a recognizable name in the NFL right now. We'll tell you who it is and who the comp is coming up next and a whole lot more. Keep it locked in the ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Ref Army, what up? Listening nationwide once again today. Bentonville, Arkansas is tuned in. Grand Prairie, Texas. Brandon, Mississippi. Phoenix, Arizona. Walton, Nebraska. Farmington, New Mexico. Lukiba, Oklahoma is our small town of the day. Loyal listener, uh, Keenan, he's been, um, he, he's been uh, bugging us for the uh, past several weeks about uh, Lukiba, Oklahoma. So I'll give it to him today. Lakeeb, Oklahoma, small town of the day. Thank you for listening on the free Ref app. Just search KREF in the App Store. Uh, text line from the 918. Come on, guys, be serious. He's not an Adrian Peterson, but he is a very serious. Yeah, this, this has become an all-out meme on the text line. <laughs> Herschel Walker. Jim Brown. Obvious comparison is Jim Brown. Frank Gore. Icky Woods. Nice pull there, the Icky Shuffle. Zane said Kevin Durant. Not funny, Zane. What are we doing? Come on now. <laughs> Xavier Robinson would destroy Kevin Durant. Mark in Newcastle says Larry Zonka. <laughs> Mike Gaddis, best out of Coral Alberts. Usain Bolt. A listener in the 405 says I compare him to Chuck Norris. I like the Usain Bolt comp there. I, I mean, I don't think it's accurate really in any way, but if OU's going to add Usain Bolt, I, I could be okay. Maybe they already did that with Brennan Thompson. Maybe that's the Brennan Thompson comp is uh, Usain Bolt for, with how fast he is. Man, I – I forgot about Brennan Thompson for a brief moment in time. Hmm. I yeah, have to remind myself that that happened. I guess because I didn't see him in spring. It happened post-spring. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, he really is on the roster. Like, he is a Sooner. How about that? Uh, how about this for a comp? Okay. Now, we've laughed previously when Jackson Arnold was compared to Rex Grossman and Taylor Heineke. Right? I mean, (laughs) I think most people feel good about the future of Jackson Arnold, and it's like, okay, Rex Grossman, Taylor Heineke, like, okay, all right, um, hmm, interesting. I saw a comp today for Devon Mitchell on Rivals. 
And it is none other than Cleveland Browns tight end, David Njoku. Which, we Which means he's going to Miami, Because Tyler. he was a Miami guy. I know. I read that, and I was like, really? Is that a sick joke, Rivals, that you're comparing him to a Miami guy? Seriously? They say the best comparison for Mitchell could be whoever is on Muscle and Fitness Magazine this month because the high four-star tight end is a muscular specimen who has probably tapped out from that perspective. A comp is tough because the Los Alamitos, California tight end by way of Allen, Texas, is more athletic and rangy than most tight ends in the NFL. But David Njoku from the Cleveland Browns is a good one. Both are big, strong, athletic, and while Njoku might have some more length, it's as close as we can get. OU fans that haven't conceded him to Miami are smirking at the notion that Devon Mitchell is more rangy and athletic than most than tight most ends, tight in, the ends in the NFL, yeah, including Travis Kelsey. Yeah, they put that uh, they put that at the bottom. <laughs> oh man, Devon Mitchell, the next Kellen Winslow. Oh please no! I think he's in like oh the original okay. Kellen Winslow, not Kellen Winslow okay, no, Jr. No, 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 no. I think the other one's in prison right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Kellen Winslow Jr. No. <laughs> That's a You'd bit hope better. that Devon Mitchell's career and life arc do not mirror that of Kellen Winslow II. Yeah, I would sure hope so. Um, anything new to report on the uh, on the whole Devon Mitchell Miami flirtation that ha- apparently happened over the weekend? I mean, is he just trying to build suspense it for the feels, July? It feels it, like he's just trying to build suspense. Jeff Levy is having another conversation with Devon and his dad later this week, so. Whatever rising tide exists down there on South Beach as it pertains to Devon Mitchell, Oklahoma's coming in and doing their best to undercut it. Can I read one more before we move on? Sure, by all means. They're just so funny today. (laughs) You guys remember when 2001 Miami had Clinton Portis, Frank Gore, Willis McGahee, and Xavier Robinson? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the the best college football team of my lifetime. And Xavier Robinson was in that uh, running back core. I, I do, in fact, remember that. Uh, text lines wanting to know, new williams Winery intel from over the weekend. I know you weren't able to uh, catch up with him, but is there a new thought that he might be deciding this month? Is that, like, is that new? Um, what's, what's the latest there with the five-star defensive lineman? I'm going to do my best not to put a timeline on the announcement because especially with five stars, they can just all be so fluid and – change of the drop like for instance it doesn't even have to be a five-star timelines themselves are so finicky like there was a kid that was supposed to commit to oklahoma last night and a couple hours before the decision oh can't have everybody there can't have the whole family there for the announcement so push it back to later in the week so i believe and i said this last hour i believe right now that Williams Nuaneri will have a decision made behind closed doors within the next two to three weeks, by mid-July. As far as when that becomes public, it could be right away. It could be another month. I don't know. One way or another, I think he is committed somewhere by the time the football season okay. starts. Okay, well, uh, uh, under what you just said... It means he's not committed right now, even silently, right? Yes. So it sounds like we should all believe that whatever happened this weekend, 
And I don't know if, if anyone knows for sure other than the Georgia staff and maybe some Georgia beat guys on exactly what happened with Williams when in Georgia this weekend. Did he take the unofficial? Did he not take the unofficial? But regardless of what happened, it does not sound like he silently committed to Georgia over the weekend. Can we at least confirm that? Do we at least know that for sure? They didn't get him one-on-one and say, come on, dude, let's go. Come on, it's time. Yeah, you can choose to believe it or not, but I will say this. Williams Nguyenary did not silently commit to Georgia over the weekend. All right, there you go. And I got, if that didn't happen, I guess that in itself is a, is a win because I know everyone was nervous about the entire situation going into the weekend. Very nervous, I think, for a lot of people going into the weekend. Uh, text line from the 405, just started listening today. We losing ground on Casey Poe lately. So I got a prediction to Bama, not uh, freaking out, just asking hi from a visit. Yeah, he got that Bama offer, what, last week, I believe? Is OU losing well, ground no, no, on Casey? No, 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 He's had the Alabama offer since November. Who, who just recently got Grant the, uh, Grant Briggs got the Alabama offer. Yeah, the, um, is the o- other white kid. Is OU losing ground on Casey Poe? No, I would not say Oklahoma is losing ground, but I will say that this has been primarily a battle between OU and Alabama for a while now. And Clemson and Texas Tech have kind of been there uh, on the second tier as contenders. But it's been the Sooners and the Crimson Tide for Casey Poe. And that's really how it's been ever since he got the Bama offer. Before he got the Bama offer, he was a heavy, heavy Oklahoma lead. And I still think there's a very good chance he ends up in Oklahoma's class. But OU's duking it out with Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide down the stretch, which, you know what, at this point, if if you don't get Casey Poe, if he doesn't end up in your class, you kind of understand why, right? Because a head-to-head battle with Alabama on the recruiting trail, you generally operate with the understanding that Nick Saban's going to get more guys than he doesn't. Even though Georgia has surpassed him as a program, when David <laughs> Pollock said that in the face to Nick Saban on the uh, uh, set of the national championship game, yeah, that still is true. From the 405, uh, I think this is a first-time texter. Are we writing off Barnes and Sawchuck already? No, 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 no. Now, we're having some fun with the comparisons of Xavier Robinson and the thought of what this recruiting class could be in 2024. Um, but are we writing off Barnes and Sawchuck? No, I, I am still writing them in as your one and two running backs this year. Clear one and two running backs this year. It, it, did anyone else change their mind? Because last time I checked, I thought we were all on the same page about the running back position this year. We'll see if one of those two emerges as a true number one back. But the way it looks right now, that's, that's a one-two duo, the way, the way that I look at it. I think any and all discourse as it pertains to the next generation of running backs at the University of Oklahoma should be – there should be a silent understanding and a caveat that whatever conversation we have about said running backs probably isn't truly pertinent until the year 2025. Yeah. Because – It's going to take someone really special for – or an injury, of course, to one of the two that we're just talking about – but if all goes according to plan, if they stay healthy, it's going to take someone pretty special and obviously someone pretty young to unseat either of these two guys. They're your future. For the next two years, it is the Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck show. Yeah. Those two going at it. Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. Now, apparently um, there was one true freshman during spring ball 
that looked very, very impressive. Um, you heard that routinely, and the uh, trivia night that I hosted a couple of months ago, Trace Ford even said as much. He was like, man, Smothers, uh, he, he looked like a dude throughout spring. Um, and, and that's great, and maybe he can contribute this year. But if he contributes, it's probably going to be in a number three type of running back role. Uh, Barnes and Sawchuck are your guys, I think for sure, heading into training camp. 405-651-3439 is the Knipple-Meyer Chevrolet text line. Who in this class that's already committed is most likely to earn another star? Huh. Got a few that are ranked as four stars. Some are as ranked as three stars. But who's most likely to get another star added to their name by the time the cycle is over? We'll talk about that and more. Coming up next, keep it locked in the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref for the home of Sooner fans. Some things going on across the country in recruiting. Michael Boganowski from the state of Kansas. Apparently he is uh, number one on K-State's board. Not in his position, just as an overall player. Uh-huh. Uh, he was recently at K-State and uh, looks like he got a K-State crystal ball here. That he did. And K-State's, look, like, look I, it feels weird to be saying this. But Kansas State is a real player in that recruitment. And that would not be the case in general were it not for two very key factors. One being that Michael Boganowski is 15 minutes from Manhattan, Kansas, out in Junction City. And secondly, and this is an obscure connection, but quite frankly a really cool one, Boganowski's primary recruiter at Kansas State, Steve Stannard, is the same coach, the same individual that recruited his father, Michael Boganowski Sr., to New Mexico State back wow. in the mid-90s. Los Cruces. He was there so, previously, huh? Yeah, wow. so his dad's position coach in college was the exact same guy that is now recruiting him yeah, to, smart to his hometown school. Probably smart to put him on that recruitment, I would say. Yes. Especially if the two got along and he actually uh, liked his position coach back in the day. I don't know. So there's that. Um, you've got Andy Bass getting a Kansas State offer. A PWO offer. Was it a PWO offer? Yeah, which is... Interesting. Wow. Huh. Which is odd because... Why even... Okay. Interesting. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Which K-State that also... Makes no sense. Like, the fact that it came from K-State, too. K-State is one of those schools... That to me, well, not even to me, like because I don't even feel like this is a perception. Kansas State is generally very good about signing scholarship athletes that fly under the radar, but that have very intriguing slash exciting physical ceilings, which is exactly Deuce what Vaughn. like Deuce Andy Vaughn Bass is exactly the type of guy that you would figure signs to play on scholarship at Kansas State when no no other big Power Five school bothers to recruit him, but they want him as a PWO. A kid that ran almost 23 miles an hour at their camp? Yeah, an Oklahoma kid who has an OU offer. And just like the strategy, man, of just giving him a PWO offer, like, yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's strange to me. Very strange to me. Looks like Nebraska is close to getting a four-star tight end in Carter Nelson. Uh, they got a wide receiver today out of Bozeman, Montana. Legacy kid, yeah. Yeah, so um, a lot of people continue to be excited about what Nebraska is doing on the recruiting trail. Seems like they have some juice right now. But they, they do got get, some juice. They well, get Dylan Riola, but other than that. Again, okay. though, like in the aftermath of missing on Dylan Riola, and that would have had seismic implications for 
Nebraska on the recruiting trail. But if you can't get the legacy kid who's the number one prospect in the country, the best thing to do, and honestly the first line of recourse should be, okay, cast a net within a 150, 200-mile radius from your campus and just make sure you get everybody that's close. And that's what they've done. You look right now at, I believe, the top seven prospects in the state of Nebraska. Five of them are committed to Nebraska. The sixth is – a sixth is going to be committing to Nebraska tomorrow. And a seventh is the son of a former Husker who in all likelihood is going to end up in Nebraska's class as well. Uh, by the way, Jeffrey Ketchum, well, he covers Texas ah, if you don't know. Sir Jeffrey Ketchum. I guess he has Caden Durham ranked as a five-star prospect. Uh, he says here are his junior track numbers compared to Tyreek Hill's high school senior track numbers. And he says, don't forget he averaged 10-plus yards per carry and led his team to a state title. So, Caden Durham, who we talked a uh, lot about, so you seemingly there, – there was even a new um, crystal ball in for Caden Durham to OU. This is after the LSU visit this past weekend. So, the, the vibes seem to be uh, strong there still. Uh, old Jeffrey Ketchum himself says, yeah, I have him ranked as a five-star. Now, I don't take Jeffrey Ketchum's high, r- prospect rating serious one way or the other. But it's uh, interesting to note, uh, nonetheless. Interesting to note that he's got Durham ranked as a five-star. Okay? Old Jeffrey's love affair with Caden Durham is somewhat odd to me because it seems that he has a natural preference slash bent for anybody that is a Texas commit or could be a Texas commit down the line, which obviously there's a next-to-zero chance of that with Caden Durham. But, you know, it's it's nice to see – Caden Durham getting some love from even the most hardened of UT fanboys. Angry Ronnie says, lose to Illinois and K-State. Where is OU at as a program? Oh, but there is a laughing face emoji there. So I don't think uh, I don't think Angry Ronnie is being serious. Tell me he if I'm wrong, be, Angry he, Well, Ronnie. he might I'm be angry. Sure. He might be angry, Tyler. Um, Ronnie. Please tell us if you're angry today or I, not. <laughs> I am not convinced that Michael Boganowski ends up at Kansas State yet. I'm not willing to go there. I will say Kansas State made a ton of progress with Boganowski on the official visit. And this is a lot tighter of a race than it was a week ago at this time. But in the end, and I would imagine this is going to be the pitch from Oklahoma, are you going to go play Rover at Kansas State? in the Big 12 in Manhattan, Kansas, in front of 48,000 people. And you know what? You get to stay close to home. That's cool. That's great if that's what you want. More power to you. But what we're offering you is an opportunity to come play safety and potentially cheetah in the SEC for the most decorated defensive mastermind in college football in front of 90,000 fans against the best programs in the nation week in and week out. Tim in Missouri says, can you tell us the difference in a walk-on in a PWO? PWO is like you you have a spot. Like you have a spot on the roster. You're going to have a jersey. And I think that there's definitely some circumstances with PWOs um, where it's like, hey, man, like you start your career as a preferred walk-on. But at some point, we think we might be able to get you a scholarship. Yes, it's called gray shirting. It's a practice that Alabama has used ad nauseum. Yeah, they mastered the it. Yes, 
You bring a guy on as a non-scholarship player for a year, then you give him a scholarship the following year, and that's that. But basically the difference between a walk-on, a traditional walk-on, and a PWO is that a PWO doesn't have to try out for the team. Correct. He shows up. He's not on scholarship, but he's on the team. Uh, okay, T- OU has uh, eight commits right now, um, including you-, you mentioned a Nebraska legacy earlier. OU has a Nebraska legacy in this class in Jeremiah Newcomb. Now, who is most likely to add another star by the time this uh, recruiting cycle is is over and done with? Now, I think the three most likely candidates are probably pretty obvious, and maybe they're your three three stars right now. But here's how it looks. Uh, Dozy Ezukama is a three-star. K.J. Daniels is a three-star wide receiver. Isaiah Autry is a three-star offensive tackle. James Nesta is a four-star backer. Michael Hawkins is a four-star quarterback. Jeremiah Newcomb is a four-star corner. Jaden Hardy is a four-star safety. And Zion Kearney is a four-star wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to say that Isaiah Autry or K.J. Daniels might be most likely of adding another star. I guess I'll go with Isaiah Autry here, three-star offensive tackle out of the state of Mississippi. Well, Isaiah Autry has a fourth star on rivals, so that's one of those guys where it kind of depends on the recruiting service, where which territory he falls into. And, but, I'm, and I'm really just going off the composite yeah. here is what I'll end up looking at, honestly. Uh, so I would say the more likely scenario in my mind if we're talking about the two, three stars across the board right now in Dozy and K.J. Daniels. I'll say Dozy Ezukama ends up with the fourth star. But I do feel good that one of those, it, like the three current three stars on 24-7 composite, one of at least one of those is going to end up earning a four star, which obviously will help uh, boost your class at least a little bit. By the way, Angry Ronnie did say, I am not angry today. Hey, so, good to hear from you, He's Ronnie. just Ronnie. Again, appreciate that. Just Ronnie on a Tuesday. 918, Hardy is so meh, says the text line. That was the, that's from J.G. Wentworth. He is so meh right now. What, what, what is there not to like about I mean, Jaden Hardy? second highest rated uh, recruit in uh, this year's class. Four-star safety out of Louisville, Texas. Yeah, that kid's good, man. Like, I don't know what the beef is with Jaden Hardy or if there is one, but I'm a huge fan of his game. He's mean, man. I don't feel like you can have too many of those safeties that are a little bit undersized and just play with fire. Another thing that I saw circulating on my Twitter timeline last night was highlights of Jalen Petrie. Sooner fans remember Jalen Petrie. Jalen Petrie was a dude, man. Wow. He used one of the – He's got to be considered one of the best uh, defensive players at Baylor. And I know that, you know, before 10 years ago, that, that list isn't, you know, super lengthy. But Jalen Petrie was a star, and man. And I think the word that most readily comes to mind when trying to describe Jalen Petrie's style of play is aggression. Right? He's just coming downhill to hit you in the mouth every single time. Doesn't matter that he's less than 200 pounds. He is coming with ferocity. And I sense a lot of those same traits in Jaden Hardy, and to me there's a little bit of Delarian Turner yell in the way that he plays too. That's a safety that though he is not a huge body, not necessarily nearly the same type of player as Michael Boganowski is, for instance, but though he is not the most physically imposing safety, he is a guy that's going to be able to make plays in coverage and be a killer in run support too. 
Uh, where do we stand with Danny Okoye? This is a texture of the 615. We're about to start to get these every single day throughout I the know. summer. It, which is fine. I, I just The answer is going to be the same for now. Is Just wait. I mean, you're you're in a, a you're you're in a spot that two months ago we didn't think that you'd be in, but you're you're in you're in the fight is is where you're at. But yeah, you just gotta you just gotta wait, especially until after the dead period, most likely with uh, Danny Okoye. We'll see. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text slide. We'll get to your text coming up next and. OU's only going to take one quarterback, right, in 2024? Just one quarterback, not two quarterbacks? We'll throw that around as well right here on the ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the homeless suitor fans. You know, I was thinking about OU Texas and the, and the move to the SEC and all the young quarterbacks that that conference has, either as true freshmen or committed right now in the 2024 class, and – you know, not every one of these guys is going to end up being a superstar, but it kind of, I don't know, man, it, it could end up being the golden era of quarterback play in the SEC if a majority of them do, because think about it, Parker. Alabama has Julian Sayan committed right now, who's a really, really good player, and he showed that at the Elite 11, right? He was the Elite 11 MVP. Dylan Riola, number one overall players, going to Georgia. Tennessee has Nico on campus. OU has Jackson Arnold. Uh, uh, Texas has Arch Manning. Florida's about to get DJ Lagway. I, the SEC has had good quarterback play before, but with some of these five-star names, man, that are about to be first-year or second-year players, I don't know, that, that position is in good hands for the future of that league. We talk about it a lot on this show, and, I mean, we talk about it a lot on these airwaves regardless, that the concentration of talent in college football is just increasingly shifting more and more towards the SEC. And, you know, the, the old adage, whether it's true or not, Tyler, whether, whether you personally agree with it, believe it or not, the old adage is quarterback is the most important position on the field, right? And so generally for teams that are trying to stay afloat in an increasingly um, – what what is the word I'm trying to conjure up here? Pitfall-laden. How about that? An increasingly pitfall-laden conference. It has to start with, at the very least, an above-average quarterback. You don't necessarily have to have an elite one if you're solid across the rest of your roster, but in the SEC – especially in the era of college football that we're entering, teams are not going to win games unless they have solid quarterback play. It's just not going to happen. Unless it was Alabama 10 years ago, but yeah, <laughs> those days have moved on. But at least Alabama, like even in those days, no, Alabama didn't have elite quarterback play, but they had guys that weren't going to crash the ship. Yeah, and they also had a guy like Julio Jones to just throw it up to, which um, even if you're an average quarterback, you can make plays with Julio Jones down the field. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, are the rumors ramping back up about a two-quarterback class once again for OU? Because they were there at one point. I'm really talking about Samaj Jones right yeah. now. It's, it's going to be tough for him to say no to West Virginia. I know that much. Got a lot, a lot of connections to that school. Obviously, it's not far from home with him being just across the border in Pennsylvania. But Oklahoma is in this thing, man, and it's a dogfight right, right now between them and the Mountaineers. And 
it almost feels like Samaj Jones, like you have literally nothing to lose by adding that guy. And so you might as well press for him, and Oklahoma's doing that because you've got a quarterback in Michael Hawkins that you know isn't going anywhere. Like He's not going to be scared off by the addition of a second quarterback. Uh, it's additional depth for your room at that position. And then if he pans out, great. If he turns into a starter down the line, awesome. If not, you can very much approach it from the standpoint, of, well, we didn't really expect that he was going to be that guy anyway. It's just fascinating to me that they might and are even pondering taking two quarterbacks. And I just want to know whose decision that is. That is that is that what Levy wants? Is that what the head coach wants? Because they just took one last year. They just took one the year before that, and I know that they got in late for that first recruiting cycle. Um Will they just take Kevin Sperry in 2025, or is this going to be the only class that they're going to take two quarterbacks, and what does that really tell us about things? I, I mean, you're right, man. Like, what does it really hurt? Other than another scholarship to take another quarterback, what does it hurt? It's just more fascinating than anything that this is even a remote possibility. It's almost like it, you almost view it as free stars and composite points for your 2024 class, right? If you don't get him – didn't really feel like you lost out on anything, but if you do get him, hey, there's another blue chipper. Fascinating scenario. We'll keep an eye out for Samaj Jones, but it does sound like OU in West Virginia in that Samaj Jones battle. All right, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked to the ref.